best of times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Coligas. Good morning, Architects listeners. I'm Gary Coligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pop application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn why is health literacy important for you and your loved ones. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, April the 13th, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in wonderful Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the April issue of the Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. We do thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a copy, remember, you can always go to our very popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues, as well as to download the current copy of our 2019 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory, as well as to listen to previously broadcast radio shows of the best of times, as well as to, to see and hear about upcoming events and news regarding seniors and boomers throughout the area. Again, the senior silver pages, the 2019 edition of our, our most popular publication, has was distributed beginning on March the 1st, and we still have a few copies available at um, a few of our distribution locations. Uh, but again, you can always go online to download it. We printed 25,000 copies, and uh, very few of those copies are printed copies are available, but you can view and download, which many have already done so, from our website. Engaging Aging with Area Expert Seminars will take place in May, on May 1st, 8th, 15th, and 22nd at St. Matthias Church of Shreveport, located at 3301 St. Matthias Drive in Shreveport, from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Each of the weekly Wednesday seminars will begin at 11 a.m., with registration beginning at 10.30. Speakers will discuss the need to have certain legal documents, how to have the hard conversation with family members, discussing the various... Medicare health plan options, how to create a care plan, how to stay informed, and the various senior living options and how to pay for each one of these options. A question and answer period will be available at the end of each of these presentations. Free admission, free parking, and light refreshments will be served. For more information, do call 318-635-5354. That's 318-635-5354. Remember to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for listing announcements made during today's radio show, as well as information about upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by Abers, Tending Country S Report, your Dodge, Western Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. 
Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, probably presented by AERP Louisiana and Abers Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas, and we thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a very special guest, is Miss Terry Davis, a professor at LSU Health Sciences Center in Shreveport, a pioneer in the field of health literacy, and she's going to discuss why is health literacy important. Thank you, Terry, for joining us today here. I'm glad to be here, Karen. I'm always fascinated by your topic and your lectures and all the presentations that you give, and I'm glad that you are definitely an advocate of health literacy. Well... Health literacy is sort of a jargony term. I know it is. But what it really means is that we can effectively communicate with each other. And providers need to be clear. We need to make health information and services more user-friendly. Um, they're increasingly complex, and it's hard for people to navigate the system and understand what health systems and their providers are trying to tell them. And, uh, you know, I think that the clinical outcomes get better. Well, if you understand what you, and, what's wrong and, with you and what you need to do, do yeah. it's important. And then the other thing, Gary, is a lot of us, it's hard to change behavior. And a lot of us need some support in sustaining healthier behaviors. Um, so it's important to know what your doctor is recommending it's important to know what's wrong with you and what you need to do about it and 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 the the other aspect we're talking about medical terminology i mean i i hate to say you probably don't know the background my, my background but i was never in healthcare before when i got into it many 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 years ago i was an engineer and learning that jargon from engineering all the way to healthcare management criteria was quite complex. I hated acronyms, and I told all my people that explained to me in the federal government that I know that y'all like to use acronyms, medical acronyms, but Gary won't. He'll just spell them all out. And uh, so that's how I learned more about and, and, and dabbled into it. You know, the, the jargon was very interesting back in the 1970s. It was probably even... Well, it's, <laughs> it's worse now. It's worse now. Healthcare is exploding. It's dynamic. And people need to understand more and more, not only about medications, but about insurance, right. about genomic research. Increasingly, people will be enrolled in research studies. Increasingly, your genome is going to be what? tested to make oh, sure yeah. with precision medicine, we give you the right treatment and don't give you treatment that's not going to help. Which is remarkable. But no matter, science is exploding so much faster than the communication or the ethics. And the patient, patients are full partners, patients and their family caregivers. And it's important that they understand what's wrong with them and what they need to do about it. Well, they have better outcomes. And I'm, I'm telling you less stress. When they understand what's going on and it's given to them in the right manner and they communicate back to them, I think it's less stressful on them. It's not a hidden factor. You know, I've got so-and-so. And no questions, no 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 follow up. What does that mean, doc? And our our nurse, et cetera, right? Right. What does that mean for me and what do I need to do yeah. about it? Yeah. So it's to understand and to be able to use the information and to be able to know what the services are and to use those services. And like you were talking on your show, there are lots of resources out there, but people need to know where those resources are. 
That's true. That's true. But let me give you another kudo. Uh, you also teach at the medical school, correct? Right. And you teach our wonderful new physicians yes. that to be uh, fantastic physicians in the future. But one of the courses is regarding communication and how to help people change behavior. We do a very good job of teaching our students how to diagnose disease and what treatments are the best. And they are doing a fairly good job of knowing how much things cost and discussing that with patients if they can afford it. But we don't we're learning to do a better job of teaching them to communicate and to help patients change behavior. They need to slow down. They need to use plain language, and they need to use teach-back to confirm the patient has understood. And the patient, I strongly recommend patients be able to say, so you're telling me and repeat back what they have understood. Otherwise, you have no idea if you've understood it or your doctor (laughs) understands you. That that is that uh, we're going to emphasize that probably two or three times during the during today's show. But again, I compliment you on on being a, a, a forerunner in that and educating our physicians. I'm sure, hopefully, all the medical schools do that. But we definitely know that LSU here and, and medical school does that. And I, I will attest to and, and brag you. I mean, my son is a medical doctor that went through the, the courses here and your courses, and he said you gave a remarkable education uh, for him in that particular field. So uh, kudos to you on that. Well, that's nice to know. Yeah. The the other aspect of that is, and you, you mentioned, and I will, um, again, I'm telling my listeners that I've actually experienced uh, through Minimed that you explain to us being lay people how a physician is educated on asking patients questions in the, the test rooms or whatever it's called, the interview rooms. That was fascinating on being a... a, a uh, so that it's called standardized patients. That's right. I love and, that. And what we know is lecture is not a very oh. effective way of um, teaching people. And so you have to act on it. Mm-hmm. And so they have patients, and you can sign up to be a standardized patient. You learn a lot about medicine, and they practice on these standardized They're patients. They're like actors that know that have these. In, right, in and the they, all, they all have the same complaint. <laughs> and so it's very standardized, yeah. and um, students get to practice their skills and their communication. I'm telling you, I was impressed, and we got to all uh, use one of the actors in uh, the mini med group. It was very impressive. It is I, I, I really got, got a lot of that, and then shared with my own personal physicians. Well, and we can teach very um, emotionally laden topics like giving patients bad news or end-of-life conversations, Mm -hmm. um, and they can practice that so they feel more comfortable when they actually have to do it. So in your opinion, do you feel that doctors and other healthcare professionals are making themselves clearer when talking with patients and family members? The research shows that they're not. Patients respond that they are not clear of key things they need to know, and they're very confused about medication. Well, I'm going to talk about that in great detail. And um, more and more people are on more and more medicines, and it every time you go to the doctor, they often give you another prescription. And so it's very important that you're that you understand why are you taking this medicine. When during the day do you take it? How many times a day? And how long do you take it for the rest of life? Or do you take it for 10 days? How long do you take it? And why? The other thing that's important for doctors to tell people is the benefit of doing what they're recommending. 
So why should you take this medicine? Why should you take this blood pressure medicine or this diabetes medicine if you don't feel any better? In fact, you may feel worse with a hypertension medicine. So it's important that you know why it's in your best interest, your adult parent's best interest, your child's best interest that they take this medicine or do whatever the doctor's recommending. The other thing that's really important, and I think this is a huge shift in medicine, patients are partners. We are teaching doctors that the patient is a partner and the decisions must be shared. And older patients sometimes just defer to the doctor. Whatever you say, doctor, what do you think I should do? The doctor should be a very knowledgeable and a medical expert, but you're the expert on your body and your life. Are you willing to take this? Can you afford it? Are there other medicines that are cheaper or that your insurance will cover? These are important questions for patients to ask. And and sometimes they forget to ask it? Well, sure, and it's important. That oh, they're scared to ask it. Both. One, nobody wants to look stupid. And no question is stupid. It's your body. You need to be clear what's happening with your body. And if you don't understand, once they've explained it, ask again. But the other thing is, it's helpful to take somebody with you. If you're in the hospital, you definitely need somebody with you. And the third thing is to prepare. What do you want to happen? What, What is it that you need to know? What is it that you want to tell them? Many patients are scared to tell doctors things. It's like, if I don't know it or we don't discuss it, it's not happening. But it's always important. It is always more helpful to find out early than later. And now with medicine, the earlier you know, there's often treatments that are successful. Well, that, that's true. Uh, let's go back to people taking a lot of medicine. I just recently uh, visited a physician, and I was, you know, Gary talks to anybody in the waiting room, and this this lady recognized me. She came up to me, and she thanked me about my magazine, and I noticed that she had a, I mean, humongous plastic bag with must have been 30 <laughs> different prescription bottles in there and I just I just and she says well I have to bring these every time because every time I come to these places they have to make me write out all this stuff and I can't remember everything I've taken and uh, I deal with five doctors so I need to bring everybody's medicine to the doctor well that's a really good idea and let me tell you I'm 72 so the other thing I try to teach medical students (laughs) now is what's it like to be old (laughs) (laughs) and so I tell them here's how I said, when I was 60, I took no medicines. Now I'm taking a boatload of them. And I put them out in my hand, and I, like most other people, distinguish them by the shape and the color. But that that changes. You get put on a generic, or they come out with something else, and so the shape and the color changes. But here's the little secret. Most doctors don't know the shape and the color. Oh. And it is very difficult for patients to pronounce and spell the names of medicine. And you go to a doctor's office and they want you to fill out forms. Increasingly now they give you an iPad or you're supposed to do it electronically beforehand. Many people... Many people that live in rural areas do not have access to the Internet or don't like to use it for that kind of thing. And it is so it is important to bring it with you. And the other thing is, as medicine is more and more siloed with different specialists, they don't necessarily know 
what else you're on, what other medications you're on. Which is sad. The electronic medical record was supposed to address that, and maybe one day it will, but it's not there yet. And, you know, some of these individuals uh, I know of that luckily are, are consolidating, even though they have five positions, to one pharmacy. And luckily, then, it's a little bit consolidated, right? It, if they use one pharmacy and one pharmacist, at least they're at one, all the one pharmacy, even though they're multiple. Well, here's there. a tip for your okay. listening audience. Make friends with your pharmacist. Oh, yes. So when I begin to do research on medication and medication adherence and patients understanding it, I interviewed some pharmacists in town, and one of them told me, who's my age, when I went into practice, my husband and I opened a mom-and-pop pharmacy. I knew all my patients. I knew every single drug. They could call me at home at night and say, I'm out of my blue pill, and I would know what that was. Wow. Now, there's so many drugs, I cannot know them all. I am a substitute at Walmart. And I don't know the people that come in there. <laughs> so things have changed oh, yes. rapidly. You don't have one family doctor and you don't have one mom and pop pharmacist. And so the onus is on you as the patient or the family caregiver. But uh, we will put kudos. The pharmacist is there to uh, them or their consultants there when you come ask. I, I have, I've been at, at several pharmacies uh, where the, the ladies, the individual men, well, I said, new prescription. You think I should ask them? Yes, ma'am. They should even forewarn you. This is a new medication. Just go wait for it. It's not going to cost you anything extra. Go talk to the pharmacist or talk to the uh, pharmacist. The pharmacist is there. They have more hours yeah. in the day. And that is part of their mission. Now, often they just give you something to sign. And that what you're is signing true. is that you understand it. Exactly. But that doesn't mean you've had any education. Now, in some big chains now and in some mom and pop pharmacies, they are calling people to ask how they're doing. Good. And in some hospital systems, the PharmD, pharmacists have a Ph.D. now, are calling patients and going over the medicine one by one to see how they're taking it. That's essential. That That is essential. But... Uh, we'll hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by AERP Louisiana and A-Bears Town & Country Estate Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and A-Bears Town & Country Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas, and we thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my radio show as a special guest is Dr. Terry Davis, professor at LSU Health Sciences Center here in Shreveport. She is known, internationally known, I would say, as a pioneer in the field of health literacy. Thank you for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. So you're internationally, I know you're internationally known. You, you teach those people in France how to make their, their, their prescription pads more literate, right? And their prescription bag. Uh, Europe. Uh, and Australia and New Zealand have become very interested in Good. health literacy. And they're measuring health literacy in some ways much better than we are. Really? Um, interestingly, people are not necessarily more health literate over there. And an interesting thing, Gary, in the United States, we score worse than most other countries in math. 
and a lot of medication is math literacy, particularly Ooh. dosing it to children. So you take it three times a day, or you take it is a day twelve oh, hours, or sixteen, okay. or twenty-four, and um, counting calories or portion size. All of that's math. Reading nutrition labels. That's just straight up math. And Americans are not very good at math, and we stop doing math unless we're accountants, nurses, or doctors, or engineers. Thank you very much. And um, <laughs> so it's important that doctors go over exactly what they mean. You take this medicine three times a day. Well, can I give this medicine at 7, 7.15, and 7.30 before Excellent. I go to work? Or how do I space it out? And so, you know, that's a part of communication that we just assume somebody else is understanding exactly what we mean. And you don't until you do a teach back with each other to confirm it. Well, and that is critical. And if the physician or whoever does the prescription for you, you need to get that. What does that mean, Doc? Right, right. right. And sometimes they will tell you, I will testify this one, they'll tell you and they forget to, to forget to clarify it or write it down to somebody to hand you a piece of paper to remember that for you. I teach them, write down three things. What's wrong with the patient and what they need to do about it and then what the benefit is for them. And then the patient has something to remember. Most patients forget about half of what doctors say as soon as they leave the exam room. The other thing I tell doctors is less is more. (laughs) Whatever is important, figure out three things that you think that patients need to know and do and hone in on that, summarize it, teach it back. The more you tell them, the more they'll forget. Good good, good advice there. Wow. So what I was going again about, I think you mentioned this, 9 in 10 adults can't clearly understand the materials whether commonly used in the health system. Wow. That's 90% of the people? Don't uh, there's probably 800 scientific articles that back that up. Wow. And what happens is, You get somebody in an ivory tower writing this stuff. (laughs) It is usually accurate, but it is key messages are often buried. Sentences are long. It's complex. They don't use illustrations. It's not formatted for reading ease. They don't have white space. They don't use bullets and lists. They don't format it in a way that it's easy to understand and remember. The, I want to go again back to the medication issue. Haven't you seen, I think I've seen some studies, and I'm, that's what I want to caution my listeners out there. A lot of people go into ER because of being over-medicated or I forgot to take my blood pressure medicine. So I'll pick up the seven days that I did not pick up. The doctor didn't say, he said once a day, but if you miss a day, you can back yourself up and take seven pills, right? And then they end up going to ER. Right. The blood pressure goes right. down to 30 or 40. That's a great example of being crystal clear how you should take it. And doctors don't ever go over how. They think, well, you just pop it in your mouth. Well, what if you miss two or three days? Yep. Pop three or four of them in that's your mouth? That's exactly what's happened a lot. And so I think that is very important that you know what to do if you miss pills. Most medicines, Gary, can be dosed four times a day. But the more you have to, more times a day you have to take medicine, the more you forget, the mm-hmm. easier it is to forget. And one of the things I tell the medical students when I was put on a lot of medicine when I had heart surgery, that I thought, well, what was difficult was how I'm going to navigate this. 
one, where am I going to put it so I can remember to take it? I don't want to put it on the kitchen table because that's what old people do. <laughs> and so where can I put it? And then you have to learn, and the doctors don't tell you this, you have to call the pharmacy to re-up on the medicine. If you get changed in the medicine, it's all cycle. And so then it makes it confusing about when you need to call the pharmacy again. So it can. it's very... Um, it, there's a lot to do if you're a patient to take care of yourself. And that's changing it because there's more and more medicine. That's good. But it's like we need to be clear that we're using it safely. Well, I don't know if you instigated it, but I, I can think many years ago where the prescription labels were so vague. At least now there's some of them are color-coded and they're having taggies and I remember in the back, you could you would not be able to read the little small sticker that says "Take with food," and that's another vague one. Well, I want, I want well, to talk about that one. Well, Gary, one of the funny things was, and labels have begun to change. CVS is changing, the VA is changing, yeah. the state of Wisconsin, the state of California are changing how they do labels. They hadn't changed in fifty years. There was a lot of evidence that people. The font was too little. Oh, yes. And people, now, who takes medicine for the most part? Older Old people. people right? So they need a bigger font. Also, the label is your ready reference mm-hmm. about how to take it. When we started doing research on this, we thought, well, you know, maybe there are five to ten words. How, how hard can that be? But take two pills twice a day was very confusing. <laughs> and it's written different ways. And oh, most yes. people didn't realize that means four pills. Uh-huh. Uh, it was interesting, Gary. The BBC picked up this research and interviewed the man on the street in London. Uh-huh. They were just as confused as the people in Shreveport, but they sounded real smart because they had British accents. I love it. I love it. But the the one that my mother, God rest her so I love her, when she took all this medication, I would come there like every day to monitor her medicines. And, and I remember when she had a new medicine and it said, take with food. Mother said, hey, cracker, take it, that's it. And mother, it says take with meal, whole meal, not just a cracker. You need to have a full stomach before you think this was pretty strong stuff here. Oh, the, the, the doctor never showed me that. The pharmacist so, never told me that. One of the things I teach medical students is have a dress rehearsal. Okay. So I would say, Gary, what time do you get up? Do you usually eat breakfast? Yeah. You know, and so the first pills, these pills need to be taken with breakfast. Good. And if you don't read so well, maybe I can color code that mm-hmm. with the sun coming up. Right. And then where are you at lunch? Do you eat lunch? Where are you? And what is the prompt to help you remember taking it then? And then in the evening. Now, Gary, does that mean at supper or when you go to bed? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So there's a lot of vagueness. Plenty of water. Well, how much is plenty? So there's a lot of specifics. And you and your doctor may need to, some of the pharmacology may not matter, but some, it might. And the other said, uh, recently, uh, I even took one, you know, may cause drowsiness. Wow. And it did cause drowsiness. I took it beginning of the day. Nope. At evening, take it at evening. It didn't say that, but I called the doctor and they said, well, yeah, you should take that in the evening because it is going to make you a little drowsy. <laughs> right. And a lot of times it's just take one tablet a day. Well, does it matter? What, and this is a great, these are great questions for the pharmacist. Okay. Does it matter what time of day I take it and why? Oh, why? That's going to be a tough answer sometime. Well, what's the benefit of taking it 
Okay, it makes you dizzy. Well, that's why you want to take it at night. Mm -hmm. So you need to be clear about that. The other thing with your mother's story, and I used to help my mother, uh, bless her soul, before she died to with her medicines, and she never wanted to throw away any medicines because oh. she didn't want to lose any money. And so... Same here. You need to throw those away, and you don't need... She would get confused over medicine that she had been taking. And one of the things that's challenging for people is if they're hospitalized, they will often be put on all new meds. You're put on medication in the hospital based on what the hospital formulary has, what their pharmacy has. Good point. You go home... It may be you've got a drug at home for high blood pressure, and they put you on another one. At the med school, you don't need to be taking two if the doctor thinks you should take one. Ooh, that's a good advice. I never thought of that one. And they could be totally different. And maybe they're thinking, I should continue this one. Right. Wow. And that's doctor, a clarification. That's a, that's, that's a callback. That's a teach back that, that, that the family member or the patient, hopefully the family member, will ask, does, does, does my mother or father or uncle aunt need to, need to go back and, and, and uh, continue taking this? Well, but the pharmacist will probably have more time to go through all of that with you than the doctor. Well, and, uh, look, we have so many topics I could talk about here. I'm going to... You have some great teaching tools regarding people that are diabetics. And COPD, and, COPD. and heart disease. Okay, I, I no, the diabetes, body. weight loss, there are five of them. Oh, they're, they're remarkable. And you can read the pictures, and the yes. pictures tell the story. And visuals are great. In our uh, booklets, there are no measurements, because we have learned that Americans are not very good at math. And so... When we teach portion size, we photograph the meals as they should look on the plate. It was great. And so you can look up, if your audience is into the Internet, you could look up the American College of Physicians Diabetes Guide or the Weight Loss Guide. Or also the CDC has the healthy plate, and they have the right portion size. And you don't need to worry about a half cup, so many cc's, so many ounces. And that would definitely help people that are diabetic, right? I mean, sure. that one, plus the COPD, that's another critical condition. Listen, let me tell you something about diabetes. People struggle if they're on insulin, mm-hmm. dosing that right. They have trouble uh, checking their sugar often. The strips cost often over a dollar a strip. They may not be able to afford it. Um, they haven't necessarily figured out how they can eat and exercise to help control their diabetes. Louisiana ranks worst in health. And of 64 parishes, we rank 48th. So our parish is near the bottom. Mm. And our obesity rates are high. Our inactivity rates are high. And these behaviors plus our overwhelming poverty rates or what I think is driving the what they call now population health, the yes. health of the population, and, and that is sad. And we we do all need to get to contribute to help to to correct that in many ways. Yeah, you heart can. disease. We have a lot of heart disease, um, stroke, um, congestive heart failure. And then we have a lot of cancer, COPD. And and what I what I read and what I've seen when I was a home health administrator before that, it's amazing how many people are undiagnosed diabetics. 
that they they don't even know that they're a diabetic until they happen to be in a scenario or a screening where they get screened and oh that's just a, an anomaly that's not me and sure enough it is uh, we've had some health uh, seminar health expos where we offered free glucose screenings and that occurred to some of them that they've never had it tested before you would sh- well, I was shocked I mean, testing is available if people will take advantage of yeah. it and with the change in health care all of those preventive screenings are covered. Right. A lot of them do not want to. And it's good to know early because if you're pre-diabetic, you might can get a hold of it right. with diet and exercise before you have to take medication. And, and other particular complications that could, that could, could occur later on. Um, but going back to your, 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 uh, your I would call them, uh, what would we call them, descriptive uh, guides to help people. I think that's a great great avenue instead of they have to worry about counting measuring it's a look and see it's pictures of pictures worth a thousand words right it is you got to figure out what thousand you want to say <laughs> or three um the, uh, but it, the, the it's important most doctors don't pay enough attention to the materials they may give out and the doctor's office with the worst materials are the ones whose walls are covered with it because they have no idea what's out there they have no idea you don't no. think and I'll give you a nod. I ask in doing I do a lot of focus groups and I ask people where they get health information. The radio, the TV, some with the internet, but um free magazines are where they get a lot of it. And Thank usually you. they can understand that better than medical materials. Well we edit whatever information and put change the jargon to be more understandable at probably a eighth maybe sixth level sixth grade education so we pull a lot of we and we defined everything uh, we it le- makes a lengthier article but that's okay well one of the things we found in doing research is even highly educated people like things that are to the point and easy to read you don't want to spend a lot of you're not writing a term paper on no, this. you no. just want to get it no, that's one thing we focused in the best of times in our magazine and conveying various medical things. That you'll, and April has some really good ones that I, I even, few of my learn learn something new. You never know what you may learn new. Um, hold that thought. We're going to have one more one more discussion with you. So hold that thought. We will be right back with more information. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Kiel, probably presented by AARP Louisiana and Abares Town and Country S Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now back to the Best of Times with your host Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and A. Barrows Town and Country S. Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show is Dr. Terry Davis, professor with LSU Health Sciences Center in Shreveport, and she is discussing why health literacy is important. Thank you, Dr. Davis, for joining us today here on The Best of Times Radio Hour. I'm glad to talk to you. This has been quite educational. I mean, hopefully we're impacting either the professional physician community out there to be re-educated, they're listening, as well as the patient and the patient's advocate. And you brought up a critical factor. I'm, I tell, and I know you do this with your students, but yourself, you just said that. Bring an advocate with you, right? Sure. I meant four ears is better than two. They can take notes. True. And they might feel more comfortable asking questions and so it's always good to have a family caregiver with you your spouse your parent your sister whatever 
or and, adult child. And and that that'll give you a second. I mean, I'd say a second opinion. But you're saying you got you got extra ears and eyes and. And a follow-up, and sometimes you're stressed out when they ask you, this is what our findings are, and you're like, I, I'm sometimes stammered when stammered. when when they tell me that that if I had somebody else, my wife with me, she would interrupt and say, "What does the what does the right. real thing mean?" People are a little scared often when they go to the doctor. Oh yeah, especially if they have a chronic disease. They are they going to find out it's worse or it's mm-hmm. stable? And Gary. It is essential that you have somebody with you in the hospital. There are numerous mistakes, unintentional mistakes that are made. You are sick. You're vulnerable. You're in a fog. It is important to have somebody who is not in a fog that's with you. (laughs) Good point. Okay, so but going back, let's talk about uh, the the use. People are are becoming supposedly more literate in education, and the the lay people out there are going on the web internet and trying to find out their symptomologies, their treatments, and telling their doc, "I found this great cure for my cancer." Right? So I didn't. What's important is it's hard for most people to know when you read something on the Internet if it is evidence-based, which means it has been studied and proven to be effective, or it's just advertising. And there are a jillion ads for medicines, for treatments, for treatment centers that may not be effective and they may not be telling you all of the story for instance some of the promotion for cancer treatment might only extend your life instead of forever extend it a month or several weeks and it may cost thousands tens of thousands of dollars to get this drug and so it's important to have shared decision making about what is it that you want and how can we work with you to to get that for you and, and the other thing is you don't know what the side effects are those. They, they may tell you this is great, but they're not regulated, they're not monitored, et cetera. So you, you're taking a big risk for yourself. Well, even some of the drugs that have are FDA approved can make you really sick. And if you only have two months to live, do you want to be really sick the whole time? And so that's why it's important to to get more information by talking to a trusted provider. Okay, let's emphasize the other aspect that we've been talking about is I'm amazed, and you brought the fact up, that really we need to be more uh, concerned about math skills and some of our prescriptions and some of the information about what's conveyed to us on the medical aspects, right? Right, and I think a lot of times uh, doctors don't realize how much math is involved in being a diabetic or being a parent of a little kid who's taking a, a baby who is dosed liquid medicine and how it's dosed and getting it right. A lot of, there's half of medical, medicine is the biggest cause of injury, mm. unintentional injury. And half of the injuries every year are caused by patients unintentionally overdiagnosing, underdiagnosing. And a lot of it is not one dose, Gary, but chronically overdosing or underdosing, say, 20%. And after a while, it makes a lot of difference. Or if you give a child a tablespoon rather than a teaspoon of mm. medicine three times a day, that's huge. Yeah, that's a huge increase, yes, yes. And increasingly, there are over the 
over-the-counter drugs have exploded. And one thing I want to say, most people assume that all drugs are safe. And all over-the-counter drugs are safe or that you wouldn't, the drugstore wouldn't sell them. But when you start putting them in combinations, they may not be. And they may not be safe for what your situation is. And so it's really important to check that out and disclose to the pharmacist and the physician what your diagnosis is. Can you take this drug? The, the over-the-counter, the supplements, everything, some of those can interact, Right. Right. And uh, I mean, I'm a bit amazed that uh, a lot of people. Oh, I don't want to tell him what supplements I'm taking. I said, why not? That that could interact with the the blood pressure medicine and the other particular medicines that you're taking. And you should tell him. It's it's a matter of education. Hopefully, he knows and he will look it up. Or the why would he that. know? Why would he know? Often doctors don't ask. Oh. And patients don't want to tell them. <laughs> so the other thing is, who is the trusted source? Is it grandma? Is yeah. it your sister or is it your doctor? Oh. And is your cousin telling you to take this supplement and you don't want to tell the doctor? And is the supplement effective uh, or not? So you want to know if it's safe, one, and then is it effective? That, that's that's you know that's critical in a way, but but I love the fact about when you're in the physician with the physician. If you don't have the advocate, hopefully you will, but get that teach back, get that. Ask the doctor, now explain to me again, this is what I think you tell me, this is what I need to do. And write it down. And, and write it down. Hopefully the nurse or somebody will give you written discharge orders. Or no, 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 no. Those are confusing. Those can be complex. And what's in EPIC, what's in the electronic record may not be helpful. Get them to write down what's wrong with me and what I need to do. They will not write too much. Well, I hope they will. I've never asked my doctor to do that, but hopefully they will. <laughs> it's your body. You have a right to do it. <laughs> Please write down something I can read, too. Right. Okay. <laughs> they won't type a dis- the, the dissertation about that. But that that's a critical factor, yes, because to, to understand right there, and then you have it, then you take it back and implement And if it doesn't work, I, I've had people tell me, well, I'm scared to call back the doctor. And why not? Uh, who do you need to call? If you have a question, who should you call? If you have a question at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night, who do you call? Who is accountable? Who is accountable that you can call? You need to be clear about that. That's okay. essential. And either, you know, call the, the doctor's office. They're open 24 hours a day. Most of them, the nurse will take it. Or not doctor's call. office, they're open 24 hours? Since when? Well, don't some of them take, when you call their offices, the, they'll go to an answering service? And it's, yes, yes, you can call an answering service. But, it, you know, is somebody going to call you back? If Do I take two of these pills? Or if you at 8 o'clock at night you realize, oh, I didn't take it the last two days. Most people said, mm, I wouldn't call. It's important to know who you can call. And like at LSU, who do you call? Hmm. That's a good good question. Hopefully, the, some of the pharmacists will stay open a little bit late, and hopefully, then you can, the pharmacist is a good person to ask. Well, let's, let's hope that they will be able to to answer those particular last minute questions. I've had some recently. I know a lot of my my friends have had some. Um, Queries, of course, they try to get a hold of people to give them a second, a quick, a quick opinion before they get a hold of the the expert. But uh, you got to be careful about that, right? Right. <laughs> you got to be careful about that. Well, again, thank you for joining us today. It's been always a great education. I, I really so hope- say, if you don't know, ask again. Do teach back. Ask them to write it down. 
and who to call. And who to call, in case you understand. Well, thank you again for coming on our show today. You were wonderful, and looking forward to having you in the near future. Good luck to you in all your endeavors, and hopefully you can improve health literacy throughout throughout the world, not just in Shreveport and Bossier and the surrounding area. I hope so. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Thank you. We'll be right back with more information. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Caligas. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, here on News Radio 710 Keel. Thank you for listening to our show today. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of The Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Best of Times on 710 Keel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for the best of times. This is News Radio 710 Keel, K E E L, Shreveport Bossier.